We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on, Ivy Nation? Welcome to another edition of Ivy Nation Sports Talk. I'm Vince D'Addario. That guy over there is Jesse Styers, not Sean Styers, because for the second week in a row, Sean Styers is en route to a women's basketball game. And I believe, are they heading for Kentucky? Is that where yes, they're going? Louisville. Okay. All right. I had the state right, at least. All right. So they're heading to Louisville. And the game, will, of course, will be tomorrow night, which means Sean Styers will also not be on the show tomorrow night. And I'm not going to give you any details, but we've got something special coming tomorrow night. That's all I'm going to say. Something special. So make sure you tune in tomorrow at 6 o'clock. So it should be a lot of fun, though. Should be a lot of fun. Are we, whoa, we're getting some live questions in here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, by the way, some of the questions that came in, and I know you guys are just being you, but uh, <laughs> there's only so many that we can obviously answer, and uh, and I'll just say it, and I'll take the ridicule, uh, you know, I'll take the ridicule when it comes. I, I've never seen Red Dawn, and I know that T Guns is going to be unhappy with me, and Jesse hasn't either. So. Whoa. Have to out me while you were outing yourself. <laughs> hey, sorry, I, had to, I can't be under the bus all by myself. So, yeah, yeah, 
That's just the way it is. Uh, okay, I'm gonna star that one. Try to pull double duty. See, I knew it. He was. He's already mad at me. Vince with a bunch of exclamation points. I'm sorry, man. My bad. My bad. Uh, I will answer. Let, let, you know what? Here we go. Let's throw that one up. Go ahead, Jesse. The first mailbag question of today. Clearly, a hot topic. <laughs> Who cooks the best amongst the IB Nation team? I will immediately remove myself. I'm out. I, there's no way it is me. You're not a cook, huh? No. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I can cook, but I'm definitely like a recipe-based guy. Like, I don't know that I could go like off on my own and a pinch of this and a pinch of that and all that. Like, that's not me. I know. I'm, I, I don't. You would know this better than I would. What kind of cook is your dad? Um, not not so great. Not so great. Okay, fair enough. So, but you made it. I mean, you you survived. I'm guessing because of your mom that helped. But yeah, I am probably going to give this to Brian because I have witnessed him making a meal from scratch. You know, just doing this, doing that, and just I mean. I know he's an avid bread maker and he does all these other different things. So I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Brian on this one. And I'm not just kissing the, the boss's booty here. I think that he act like one of his one of his passions is working in the kitchen. So I, I'm gonna give it to him. I'm gonna give it to him. I wish I was better. I'm I'm like you, I can follow a good recipe, right? No problem. But if I'm just asked to make something from scratch, there's a little chance that, that it'll turn out even right. edible. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, oh, I mean, Ryan's saying it's himself. Okay. So I didn't realize Ryan was a, was a whole, yeah, that'd be great. That And that's the other problem, though. Like, we're all in so many different places. Like, I guess me and Brian and Sean are the ones in this area, right? But, you know, you're in Ohio and 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 squirrels in, you know, way off on the East Coast. And, and the other <laughs> Sean is in Chicago. It's like, we don't really all get together and cook. So it, it's, you know, he says he cooks every meal in his household. Wow. I, I'm impressed, man. I, I am. I that am, is a lot of responsibility. I am dutifully impressed. I good. Maybe it is, Ryan. Maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to need some examples, Ryan. At some point, I'm going to need because I've seen the fruits of the labor from from Brian. I've never I've never seen or heard, you know, the fruits of your labor, Ryan. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to see some proof. Not that I don't believe you, but you know, I, that's kind of where I'm at. All right, let's jump into some of these questions, folks. And there are some good ones. I will say Salty was bringing the heat today. Salty was bringing the heat. We start off with a baseball question. Oh, Salty wants to know the Oakland A's Las Vegas relationship is hitting snags. Should the A's remain in Oakland or move to Salt Lake City? I will say first and foremost that they should definitely not remain in Oakland. Um, I, at this point, I don't think that's a possibility. I think the Vegas thing is going to happen regardless. Um, and I guess if I were to think of alternate cities, Salt Lake City would make sense. Um, I know Salt Lake, they want them because they, were, like, they put all the billboards and – all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast. Yeah. I still think the Vegas thing is going to work out. Right. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I 
I know that it, it's it's hitting some snags, and I think the what was it the may the it was it the mayor of Las Vegas that came out and said some stuff recently about you know it's, they're supposed to go on the ground of the Tropicana, and they you know I think she said she doesn't think it's going to work, and they and and the A's should just stay in Oakland, and you know I don't know all the details behind it, but Vegas is going to get a baseball team. Okay, I mean let's all be real clear: if Vegas has a hockey team. And Vegas has an NFL team. They're going <laughs> to get a Major League Baseball team. Right. And the A's would be stupid to not move to Vegas. Maybe it's not the smoothest of transitions, but they're going to get a brand new stadium, obviously. They're going to be welcome with open arms. I, I, I just I don't see the overall downside of the A's going to Vegas. And they've been treated... I mean, it's just been rough in Oakland. Now, I don't know that, you know, moving to Vegas is going to make them spend more money on their roster and, you know, all of the things that, that the A's need to do. But I just don't see the downside of moving to Vegas, Jess. I just don't. Yeah, and it, and it sounded like the mayor made some comments and then sort of walked him back okay. uh, afterwards. But, you know, I, I, I don't know that the strip, because I think it has to do with, like, location within Vegas. And I think sure. that rather than it just being kind of completely abandoned that they might, you know, relocate and find a better spot in Vegas. I just, like you said, the, the Raiders are already there. The, you know, the hockey team is already there. It's, it's proven to work. And so for an organization that needs a revival, I think Vegas is what is going to work. Yeah. I just, I don't see the downside. I really don't. A brand spanking new stadium, all, all of the, all of it. You know what I mean? I just, you know, Vegas is excited about having professional sports, man. And the way things have changed over the last decade with gambling and, you know, all of the apps and everything, Vegas is just prime for that spot. And whoever moves to Vegas, if it's not going to be the A's, whoever it's going to be is going to benefit. They're, they're going to benefit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ooh, next question, mailbag. Just for fun, one player from both sides of the ball that's important to the success of the 2024 season, excluding Riley Leonard. Do you want to do offense first or defense first? Sure. Yeah, let's go offense first. Um, Excluding... I mean, the obvious answer is Riley Leonard. And so, right. you know, you got to take him off the table. And so I'm thinking now, wide receiver. Um, okay. And I think it's going to be, I think my answer would be Chris Mitchell, 
or Jordan Faison. I think there's got to be someone that's going to be kind of your downfield home run hitter because I think that they'll have, you know, a good line and we know they have a good running back room. Um, and Riley Leonard will be able to facilitate, you know, running plays with just him being himself being an option to run is going to help the run game. And so I think they have to figure out a way to push the ball downfield and hit some of those home run balls at times. And so when I think of someone who can take the top off a of defense, I think of Mitchell or Faison just because of right. how speedy they are, shifty, you know, just getting down, getting downfield, kind of like like Golden Tate type when, you know, the Notre Dame offense was good during Golden Tate's time. It's so hard in football for it to come down to, you know, one guy on either side of the ball, right? I mean, it's it's one thing I love about football is that it's the ultimate team sport. And so, you know, picking one guy is very difficult. I'll go a different direction, though, and I'll say Charles Jagasaw. And I believe somebody already put that, uh, Sloppy Joe, I believe, put that in the chat already. And I agree. I think that, you know, what happens at the tackle position is going to be uber important for Notre Dame because you're going to have two new tackles with Fisher and Alt going off to the NFL. So you're going to have two brand new tackles. What is that going to look like and who, you know, how is that going to go down? And I think Charles Jagasaw has an opportunity to be the man at tackle at Notre Dame. And if he is as good as we think he's going to be, then I think that this team could be really, really good because we know Marcus Freeman still wants to be a run first team. He still wants to be, you know, it all starts at the lines and all the different things that he said. I think he's right. And I'm excited to see what he brings to the table, not only in the spring, but then obviously in the fall as well. So I will go with Charles Jagasaw as my offensive player that is most important to the success of the 24 season. So defense, where are you at? Defense, I think, is the best way to look at defense is kind of like where do you see the critical holes being? I think the middle is pretty solid with Mills and Cross. Um, I think Burnham will be and, and RJ Oban at defensive end. So I start thinking about, you know, the Viper position. Um, I start thinking about, you know, the middle linebacker position. Sure. And then the cornerback position adjacent to, or I guess opposite to Benjamin Morrison. Yep. Um, and then I guess the last one too would be, you know, the sa- there's another safety spot that opened up. And so, you know, who is that going to be? You know, honestly, I think it's going to be who's going to step up in the absence of Cam Hart. So I think for them, in, in order for them to repeat as like a lockdown type secondary, they need someone to, you know, fill the shoes of, Cam Hart and you know is that going to be Jaden Mickey uh will that be Christian Gray you know right now it looks like it might be Jaden Mickey and and you know Gray would be Morrison's backup but I guess you never know um so yeah that's kind of where I lean defensively I I completely agree with you with Christian Gray I think that's going to be he's going to get picked up or whoever that other corner is I personally would like to see Christian Gray in that spot I would like to see Mickey in the at the nickel uh, but I know they brought in that transfer to to play nickel most likely. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but I, so, but just for the, for the sake of answering the question and just being different, uh, I will go with Drake Bowen at middle linebacker. I think, you know, we're, we're seeing how, I mean, I think we've all known how important JD Bertrand has been to 
this team over the last few years. And now the rest of the world is kind of seeing it at the, at the senior bowl, et cetera. And I think Notre Dame fans are going to miss JD Bertrand in the middle of this defense. And those are some big shoes to fill for Drake Bowen. And you add in to the fact that Drake is playing baseball and I, I don't hold that against him. but if you're trying to be the starter, a middle linebacker playing baseball at the same time, that's gonna be tough. That is, that is going to be tough in the spring. And so I, I think he's going to be crucially important in this defense, being in the middle, calling the plays, you know, doing all that a middle linebacker and Al Golden's defense is asked to do. That's a lot, man. And if he can do it at even a fraction of what J.D. Bertrand did, but then adding the athleticism and, and everything else, then I think this defense can absolutely take off. So uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the other cornerback position because I think that spot is going to get picked on early and often with, with Benjamin Morrison being on the other side as a third-year starter and all of that. Uh, but I also think Drake Bowen is going to be very, 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 very important if he ends up being the middle linebacker of this defense. Yeah, I really like that um, Drake Bowen answer as well because you know the middle linebacker is in charge of getting the entire defense oh, yeah. functioning properly. And so – you know, that's half the battle of getting everyone else set and then playing the position well yourself at the, you know, that's the other half of it. Absolutely. All right. We got a Super Bowl question from Salty. Salty wants to know in Super Bowl 53, the 49ers are favored, but it is Brock Purdy's first time in the Super Bowl pressure cooker. He's already getting snappy to the press. Who will win and why? Save your prediction <laughs> for Friday. Yeah. Yeah, save your prediction. I was just getting ready to say, I, I think tomorrow would be, be a good day to ask who's going to win. Um, but I, you know, I, I understand I, the part of the question of this is the most pressure that Brock Purdy has faced. And last year, you know, the NFC, he didn't even make the NFC Championship because of the injury. And he definitely didn't make a Super Bowl. And now this is Patrick Mahomes, what, like fifth Super Bowl, fourth Super Bowl? Yeah. Something like that. And so the pressure isn't quite there for Mahomes, obviously. He's just going out there and doing something he's already done four other times. So in terms of who the most pressure is on on that offense, I would say Brock Purdy because he has to facilitate the ball to everyone else. You know, Samuel, uh, Ayuk, McCaffrey, Kittle. You know, I it's it's on him to to distribute the ball out and, and get into the right play. I just think it's going to be a little bit harder for him given the stage. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like it. I like it. I I look, people in the media are well, I saw it on on uh on Twitter and I think he was asked about it. Like he's, the people are comparing what he looks like to Lee Harvey Oswald. Like <laughs> I saw that. Wouldn't you be getting a little snappy if that was the case? Like you're going to compare me to the guy who killed the president? Like I, I guess I can't blame him. He's a young kid, and, and you're coming at him with these ridiculous questions. And we know how media day is and how ridiculous it is. And I, I, I get that. But like, let's give the kid a little bit of a break with how he's answering questions and how you answer questions at media day has zero to do with how you're going to play in the Super Bowl. So. I, I know the 49ers are favored, and we're going to obviously talk about that moving forward. I, I'm a little surprised that the 49ers are favored. Yes, they have, I think, more guys, and they, you know, 
you know, their offense is better than Kansas City's offense. I think we can all agree on that. I think Kansas City's defense is really good. And I think the, the 49ers defense is pretty good. So I guess I'm a little surprised the 49ers are favored considering the experience that Kansas City has in the Super Bowl. So that's the part that gets me a little bit. But I tell you what, I like the Chiefs and the points. How about that? I mean, that's uh, they're just asking you to bet Chiefs and the points. But we'll see. And I, you know, we'll give our predictions on Friday, you know, for the Friday show and and all that fun stuff. So, uh, but yeah, good question, Salty. Good question. Uh, let's see here. All right, this is a good one from Joe. Joe wants to know if one of the four quarterbacks jumps into the portal after spring practices, do they go to the portal for another or let Anthony Rizak try to make it? Oh, okay. I see the question. Does would Notre Dame then respond by going to the portal themselves or would they just stick it out with Anthony Rizak to be the fourth guy overall? Vince, what do you think? Well, Anthony Rizak obviously, you know, just signed today as a walk on. Uh, and I am not a hundred percent convinced that he's going to stay at quarterback to be perfectly honest with you. I think, and I have no inside information on this either direction, but I mean, he's coming in as, as an athlete basically. And so it wouldn't surprise me in any way that, you know, if they said, Hey, we want you at receiver. We want you here. We want you there. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a walk on, right? I mean, he, he is a walk on. Did he have offers to play elsewhere? Yeah, he sure did. And I just don't see him as a quarterback at Notre Dame. That's me. Could they do that just to have a camp arm if somebody, you know, decides to go someplace else? Sure, they could do that. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, oh, what's the kid's name? Uh, who was the the walk-on quarterback? Uh, who was on the team last year? Dev, uh, Dylan Devizen. He's still listed as a quarterback, by the way, and I know he was playing. I believe receiver or tight end or something at, you know, during bowl practices or whatever, but he's still listed as a quarterback as well. And he has more, you know, experience at Notre Dame as a quarterback than Rezac as well. So I think that would even be the safer, you know, choice if I was Notre Dame and I wanted to, you know, have somebody to, for, for a depth purposes for a, for a camp arm, if you will, you know, that type of thing. I just, I don't think Notre Dame is putting their eggs in the Anthony Rezac at quarterback basket. That, that's just, that's just how I feel. I will see what happens, obviously, because I would not be surprised if there was a defection at some point at the quarterback position after spring. Like that wouldn't overly surprise me. You know what I mean? So, you know, because we're talking Angeli. Leonard, Carr, Minchie. There's four. That's the ideal number. Somebody's going to be fourth. Somebody's going to be third. And when you're fourth or third, if you don't have a bunch, of, you know, I could see them leaving. I could. Yeah, I, especially in today's, you know, college football landscape, there's there's really not a lot of reason slash optimism to be sitting third or fourth you know, somewhere buried on a depth chart at a school like right. Notre Dame because you can essentially go somewhere else smaller and maybe get an opportunity. And I like what you said about Rezac. I don't think he's definitely committed to just the quarterback, you know, position. I think he's just an athlete. 
um, all around and wherever he's sort of needed, especially early on, maybe he'll be a scout team quarterback or, you know, I just think that that's going to be his role to start is just being that, that athlete type of guy and figuring out what his best role will be eventually on the team. Yep. Completely agree with you. All right. I know you're traveling tonight. And so that's why I'm bringing up this question from Salty, because normally I just kind of roll my eyes and move past it. But I am going to add, we're going to do this question for you, buddy. <laughs> um, mailbag, Southwest Airlines is going to have thinner seats on its new planes. How important is travel comfort to you? And what are deal breakers for short and long flights? I'll go ahead and take the lead on this one. Yes, I'm not flying tonight, but I am going oh. to be driving to uh toronto at some point looked at flights wasn't really worth it <laughs> and so i was like you know what i'll just i'll just make the drive why not how far um, is it you're used to the long drives to kansas how far is the drive four and a half hours so it's not oh, that's long. not too that's not too bad no um but to answer the question <laughs> travel comfort is very important to me um thinner seats is is kind of crazy when you think about it um I have broader shoulders, and so I always feel uncomfortable. You know, I can't sit in a middle seat, that's for sure, because I'll be taking up, you know, two people's space rather than one. And so most of the time when I'm traveling, I prefer to have the aisle seat. Um, and most of the time, you know, I feel like I'm trying to sit like this because, again, I'm not – I don't want to be in someone else's space. But most of the time, my girlfriend Naomi is next to me, and, I, you know, I don't, I don't really care about if I'm taking up her space. So – Usually it's me on the aisle seat and then she's in the middle and then some random person is alongside the window. But travel comfort is definitely important to me. And it doesn't even matter if it's short or a long flight. I want to be comfortable no matter what. So are there deal breakers for short and long flights for you? Like, like I don't know if he's talking about food or movies or I don't know. what. what um, I don't travel enough to really have an opinion, <laughs> I guess. Um, Deal breakers? Not really. Like, Honestly, it's just where I'm sitting at. Like I, I would, I would not, okay. I would not want to fly in a middle seat. I can do a window, but I, if for some reason I got stuck in a middle seat, I would do everything in my power to have that switched because I'm just going to be comfortable. Everyone else is going to be uncomfortable, and it's just not going to be a good time. That's why you gotta, you gotta fly southwest, so it's, uh, it's open seating. It's first come, first serve. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like the lottery. Yeah, exactly. You know, and. When my son and I went down to Florida, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, they had the open seating. And so, you know, we get on and we had no problem finding, you know, two seats together or whatever. And we generally had to kind of go towards the back. And so he wanted to sit next to the window because we don't travel very often. And so, like, I think he's been on a plane three times total, like three trips. And so he's like, I want to sit by the window. So, all right, cool. So that means, of course, I'm in the middle seat, right? And so then you do the whole thing where you try not to make eye contact with people that are coming down the aisle. We're going to sit in the seat next to you. And, you know, all these, like it, I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, you never know who's going to sit down next to you, man. And that's the, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's always the, and I can't say it's a deal breaker because you can't decide who sits next to you or, or whatever. But like, I guess the deal breaker for me is the, is the talker. The guy who sits next to you and just wants to talk the entire time. That, yeah. That's a deal breaker for me, man. Like I, I will be cordial. I'll have a conversation with you. I'll introduce myself if the situation calls for it. I do not want to talk to you the entire time. And I will put on the big bulky headphones to kind of send the message 
I'm here to We're watch shutting movie it down. Isn't there nothing worse though than someone that still tries to talk to you when you put in the headphones? Yeah. Clearly watching something or doing something. <laughs> you gotta be you gotta be like, what? What? And they clearly see you hitting pause, yeah. taking out the headphone. Like, come on, yeah. get the vent here. It's I yeah, that that is a pet peeve of mine as well. So yeah, that's rough. It, it Joe says the crying baby is a deal breaker. Joe, I I think you've got kids. Like, there's nothing you can do about that, man. Like, I I always try to feel for the parents on that one. Like, what are you supposed to do? You know, like you can. I mean, they don't. No one wants that that baby crying. Especially the parents, by the way. Like, the parents are usually mortified by the fact that their kid is acting up. You know what I mean? And that's that's tough. That's tough, man. I experienced that on a long like flight to California. I never really had like a crying baby or, you know, a kid acting up, but I had it. And it was on one of my longer flights one time. I was just, Ooh. I didn't, I, I had a new appreciation for yeah. not having to deal with that. I would say the crying baby doesn't bother me as much as like the annoying child, you know? Who just, <laughs> yeah, because like, that's more kicking, controllable. Yeah, kicking the back of your seat or, you know, doing all the annoying things that kids do because that is the parent's fault. Like parents can't necessarily stop their kid from crying, but you can definitely stop your kid from acting like an a-hole. Like yeah. that's, uh, that, that's a deal breaker for me as well. T guns is coming right after you, Jesse. He wants to specifically. So I'll ask it. T guns says, Jesse, if you paid for a specific seat and it turned out to be really inconvenient for a group of passengers, would you swap seats if asked? Um, If I'm swapping to a middle seat, no. <laughs> There's no circumstance. None, huh? No. If it's a window, I and and it and we really needed it, like it really benefited this other group. I guess I would do it. It's like let, let's say a parent and a child are separated because they're one of the last groups on, and there's only like two single seats, and the kid the parent wants to sit with their like let's call it uh 12 year old child. Nope. Yeah, I'm moving, huh? Not moving. Wow. <laughs> wow. I love it. Good for you. You can tell you don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, though, Guns. I probably would move. I probably would move. I'll be honest with you. Uh, unless it was separating me from my family, I don't know that I would. You know what I mean? Like, independent on how old my kids are. So there's a lot of different, you know. DK scenarios. said it right there, baby. I would tell them be better, you know, better prepared. I, you know, proper. Well, I mean, you're right. If it's reserved seats, USMA 87 says if it's reserved seats, it's their fault. That I agree with. But if it's like Southwest where you're just getting on, and let's say you're one of the last party boarding parties to get on or whatever, that would be tough. That would be tough. But yeah, that'd be hard. Good question. I like those types of questions. All right. All right, back to uh, a little indie football. With the switch, Bayless to Landau is a switch from old school to new school strength and conditioning. How important is real-time data, analytics, and personalization in strength and conditioning? I guess I'll kind of start this one. I think the real-time data and analytics is important because I think it allows you to – get a better understanding of what your group of guys is doing 
and what they might be good at and what they might be deficient at. And I don't think every team is going to be the same. I think that you have program-specific type areas on things that you might want to work on in terms of strength and conditioning just because, you know, you're not going to get the same type of recruit that some of these other schools might get, or you might not have a majority of, you know, a certain type of recruit. And so, again, I think the real-time data analytics allows you to analyze practice by practice, you know, going through different workouts and see, you know, what you might be overall deficient at, at, as a group. And that not that might not be by design. It's just kind of how things, you know, end up turning out. And so if you can have that lifetime data, I just think it allows you to just adjust kind of, especially in the season, you know, meeting certain needs for certain guys. Um, so that's the importance of the real-time data and analytics to me. I think it's super important, especially this day and age. I mean, you can't get passed up by other programs that are actually using it. You have to be able to use everything at your disposal to make your team better. And I think that is key in this new world of real-time data analytics personalization you know all of that I, I think it's crucial and i think that they're they're going in the right direction it's what marcus freeman wants to do it's what lando is doing and i think it's a nice marriage and i think that they are both understand you know where each other is coming from and i think they're in lockstep i, I think it's crucial i think it's absolutely crucial and it's 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 for me, strength and conditioning and, you know, moving into the future and all that, it definitely falls under the category of if you're not adapting, you're getting passed up. Right. And I think you have to use every advantage, the nutrition piece, the the real-time day, like all of it is key to, hey, my guys are going to be in better shape in the fourth quarter, and that's the most important time. So I think it's crucial. USMA 87 – has a scenario for Jesse and I'll answer it too, but we are coming back to the plane scenario. So here we go. It says, Jesse, would you take an upgrade to first class if it meant leaving the girlfriend in coach? You know, this is really a funny question because. Oh, is it? I think that if, so I would, I would say yes. And I, I would take the switch and leave but I would catch a lot of flack for it. And, but the thing is, is I know if roles were reversed, she would definitely take the, the invite as well. I, I think right. that. And 100%. so, but the thing is, is I would get heavily criticized for it. And yes, if the roles you, were reversed, you can't criticize her. Yeah. She'd be like, Oh, no. well, why wouldn't I? And so I know I would take it solely because I know she would take it. Wow. And I wouldn't care about the, the flack that I would get afterwards. All the married men in the chat, I, I feel like we all need to say it at the same time. You can tell you're not married, number one. <laughs> and number two, if you get offered that spot in first class, you give it to the girlfriend or the wife. That way they get all the whatevers and you get peace and quiet. <laughs> it's that's what we call a win-win win. scenario my friend i like that solution better because that's a <laughs> that is a very good win-win oh, i can hear man. all the stories about the first class later and yes. how i was so great for exactly. allowing her to do that yes pebbles in the jar buddy pebbles <laughs> in the jar because you're gonna have to go back to those pebbles at some point this is not the time this is not the time. 
All right. The easy win. That's like someone throwing <laughs> up an alley-oop. Right. Exactly. Yes. All right. Uh, but that's a great question, USM87. I, I, you set Jesse up for failure on that one. I just want to I just want to say it. I let the young buck go because I knew what he was going to say. All right, here we go. Another one from Salty. Oh, no, that we did that one. My fault. Yeah. I liked the one, um, oh. the, the the Anthony Solomon question about okay. four different options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we it's go. kind of like a mind teaser. So you got to kind of pay it. Pay attention to the different options. Yes, you do. Pick one of the following. An elite front four, average middle, elite back four, or average front four, elite middle, elite back, or elite front, elite middle, and average back four. Vince, do you have yours? I do. Yeah, 100%. It, for me, this is an easy – excuse me, this is an easy one. I'm taking the option number one. I want an elite front. Okay, that is going to occupy the offensive line, which allows my average middle to scrape and make plays. Okay, and then I want an elite back. That way I can do different things and I can trigger my linebackers who may not be good enough to just see it and go, but I can trigger them and I can do some different things with them and play some games and get them going if I have an elite back as well so it's elite front elite back average middle for me i think i could be real dangerous defensively if that was the case this is actually a lot tougher than what i thought it would be Ooh, okay i gotta get rid of number two immediately i think the number one thing that i want in is elite front because the elite front is what's going to help everything else behind it sure Sure. If you're getting pressure on the quarterback, that's less time your your secondary has to cover. Um, and like you said, if you have an elite front, that's you know allows your linebackers to be you know unmarked longer and, and scrape to plays unscathed essentially. Um, so the the question becomes: Would I rather have an elite linebacker core or an elite secondary? Okay. And this is really hard because when the, with an elite with you when you already have an elite front you have an elite linebackers, you're basically shutting down the box. And I think that's a really critical area of the fields. Um, but then again, college football, and especially as you get you go up against better teams, it's a lot of passing the ball, and you have to have a good secondary to be able to shut things down. But again, if you have an elite up front with, and you're able to shut down the run game, I think that helps the pass game naturally. Uh, this is, so this is hard. I'm going to go elite front, elite secondary, and average middle. I'm going to go with you. Really close, though. But I think if you can be elite on the front end and the back end, it just makes everything else in the middle that much yes. easier. Agreed. So. Completely agree. I apologize. We've had a super chat in here for about 20 minutes, and that's my bad from Tyler. we got to get it in. Thank you, Tyler, for the super chat. He says, give me your top three players, realistically, that your favorite team should draft in the 2024 NFL draft. Now, this is tough for people that are not, you know, massive draft followers. I'll I'll start this thing off for you. Jesse, because my team obviously is the Bears. They've got two top ten picks. <laughs> yeah, this is easier for you. You have yes, some. You 100%. actually have real estate 
you can get some of the top play like two. Yes, absolutely. So realistically for me, I would love to get Marvin Harrison Jr. and Joe Alt. Those would be my top two. And it's not close. Uh, that that's who I would want them to draft in the top 10. I don't think Joe Alt is going to fall all the way to nine for Notre Dame to be able to get Joe Alt, but a man can dream. Okay. Who's so, your third one then? Like uh, if that, you had to just, I've got to figure out, more. see, I've got to figure out where the bears next pick is, uh, to know. So that's why I was kind of, I didn't know if this question was actually thinking situationally, or if you just had, you know, like, I guess, here, I'll, I'll kind of lean into how I thought about this one. I, I thought about the Cowboys' holes. Okay. And so the biggest holes to me is I think they need a good defensive tackle. They need a good linebacker. And then they need some sort of probably running back or, you know, another offensive lineman. So at defensive tackle, I would take – Either of the guys from Texas, Tavonje Sweat or Byron Murphy, I think both of those guys would be excellent defensive tackles. Someone to clog the run and take on a double team, something the Cowboys need. Um, linebackers, I take either of the guys from Alabama. I give me any Alabama linebacker, and I, I'll take. I'll like my uh, chances of what's gonna sure. you know, come out of that. I think it's it's Brashwell and. Dallas Turner is the other one. And for fun, I would love the 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 for the Cowboys to have Audric Estime at cool. running back. I think Tony Pollard isn't quite what they need. Like they they need a more powerful back too, like how Zeke was, you know, with Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard is kind of like a a gadgety type running back, but they need a straight downhill runner, physical runner behind, you know, some good offensive linemen, complement, you know, Dak's passing game. So I'd like I'd like Audric to go to the Cowboys Fair as enough. well. I, my third one, like the Bears don't pick again until like the 43rd overall pick. And at that point, I think you get the best like edge rusher that's out there, you know, to, to help solidify the defense. Like whatever the top edge rusher that's on the board, whatever it may happens to be by the time you get down to 43, I think that's who I would want them to take. So Harrison Jr., Joe Alt, and then top edge guy or top defender maybe, you know, depending on – how you want to look at your defense. Like they do have some holes to fill defensively for the bears. So your best defender that's still on the board at 43, I think that's where you go personally. So I'm hoping for a good draft for the bears. I just don't uh, have a whole lot of faith. So we'll see how it goes, but thank you for the question, Tyler. Really appreciate it. Okay. How about this one from Benjamin? Mailbag, what are you hoping to see from the offense this season? Um, oh, that's I think a loaded I'll, one. I was going to say, I'll try to avoid, you know, maybe some of the cliche or you could go on, I think, for different, you know, areas of what you would want the offense to, to – or what you're hoping to see out of the offense. I think the thing I will say that makes the most sense is obviously you want an offense that's going to score points, right? Like that's the easy answer. Sure. You want a more explosive, dynamic, two-dimensional, strong in the run, strong in the pass type offense. I think the number one thing I want to see out of the offense is Notre Dame dictating, one, what it wants to do, and then, two, even if you're not scoring points, I still would like to see Notre Dame have fluidity on the offense, even when they're not scoring points, like getting a couple first downs, 
you know, maybe that means holding the ball longer, controlling that clock, you know, that sort of situation, giving the defense good field position. Uh, it just, again, being able to have successful drives outside of just scoring points. You know, offense is just measured on scoring points, but I still think the field position battle, not having three and outs, and still looking fluid on offense, even when you're not scoring, is important. Fair enough. All right, let's see here. What do we want to talk about next? There's a lot in here. I oh, Sorry, I didn't even answer the question. What am I hoping for from the season? <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to see – I do want to see – I mean, this is going to be a, obviously a quarterback-centric offense, you know, from a run game standpoint, from a pass game standpoint. I, I want to see some wide receivers step up, you know, that type of deal. You know, you're not – it's going to be very difficult to recreate – the scoring and some of the things that the offense did last year, even though they didn't, they came up short in the big moments, you know, overall they had a really, really good offense. And so I guess my biggest thing would be, I don't want the offense to disappear in the big moments that that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. I'm happy that no you can stage, score. Right? Yeah. I'm happy you can score against the bottom half of your schedule and all of that, but I really don't want you to disappear when it comes to so big time drives against yeah. big time teams, yeah, absolutely. You know, show what you've got in the in the when it's important. You know what I mean? So, okay, how about this one? And I don't know if you're completely up on the roster, but I'm going to throw this one at you anyway. Uh, which transfer portal player are you looking forward to watching next year? Um, I'm going to. I can I'm answer gonna... first if you want. If you don't have it. No, I'm going to avoid offense. Okay. I think Riley Leonard and Chris Mitchell are easy answers to say. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with RJ Oban on defense because I think defensive end is a valuable position and a position on the defense that I'd like to see, you know, a dynamic player at, someone who can get sacks, who can get pressure on the quarterbacks, QB hits, QB pressures, QB hurries, sacks, force fumbles, you know, game-changing game type of plays. I feel like elite defenses always have an elite edge rusher. And so I want to see what RJ Oban's about. Okay. Fair enough. I, for me, it's, it's Mitchell. I mean, that's, I, I think he could be elite as a wide receiver and I'm, I'm really excited to see where, you know, what he does to this offense and what he's able to do with this offense. So yeah. Leonard Denbrock combined with Mitchell. Yeah. Is yeah. 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 hundred percent. Exciting. Yeah. No doubt about it. So that, that, that's it for me for sure. Let's see here. How about I know we got to get to rapid fire here soon because I know we've got a we got a hard out tonight because somebody's got to hit the road, which hey man, that's called life. All right, here we go from Andy Sailor. By midseason, if back if a backup quarterback needs to come in and CJ is showing out in practice, do you put him in or one of the other two? I think this answer is easy for me, Vince. I just I've said this before. I don't care if you're a freshman a six-year senior, uh, a sophomore, whatever you are, I just want the guy who's the most talented. And that's why you have coaches because their job is to be there every day and to assess who the best yep. player is. And if the situation calls that they need to put in a backup quarterback, I don't care if it's Carr. I don't care if it's Menchie. I don't care if it's Angeli. I just want the guy that will give them the best chance of winning the game. So, yep. again, there's, there's I, I, I like what I've seen – out of Angeli, you know, in his limited appearances of the bowl game and some cleanup duty. Can't say I've seen much of Minchie, 
I can say I've heard good things about CJ Carr, and we know he's you know good, uh, young, talented quarterback. So whoever steps up to the situation and is the best, that's who I got to pick. You know, I again, I don't care who you are. I just want the best player in there. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like once the once the depth chart is set going into game one, doesn't mean that that's the depth chart by midseason. And so I like the fact that Andy Saylor says by midseason. Because a lot of things can change between week one and week six or, you know, game one and game six, I should say. And so if the quarterback goes down, if Riley goes down, you've got to put the next best guy in, whoever that happens to be. And that person should be showing out at practice, whoever it is. And so if it's CJ Carr, awesome. If it's Kenny Minchie, awesome. If it's Steve Angeli, awesome. I don't care who number two is in week one. I if somebody goes down, I care about who number two is at that moment. And if we're talking mid-season, you could see some fluctuation in the depth chart. And specifically with a guy like CJ, because he's a true freshman, and so he's going to be drinking out of a fire hose for a while, right? And things are probably going to slow down for him by mid-season. And so it's going to give him an opportunity to show off what he can do, you know, at that moment. And so if it's CJ, awesome, like, great. But I, I mean, I don't think it would be. In year one, I don't. I think Kenny Minchie's going to be number two going into the season. Going into week one, I think he's going to be number two in week six. And so if something happens to Riley Leonard, then I think Kenny Minchie, it's Kenny Minchie's show. So that uh, that that's where I'm at with this whole thing. But if CJ is the, the best number two at practice at midseason, then CJ is the one that comes in if there's an issue. 100%. And I have no problem with that. So I am very much okay with a fluctuating depth chart as the season goes on. I, I, in fact, I want that because it means continued competition. All right. A couple more. Okay. Vince, would you might have an idea? Would you might have an idea for the spring game of what the coaches might be focusing on in the game? Simplify us. There we go. So, Irish Marine, I think we as fans look at the spring game completely differently than the coaches do, right? They try to do some fun stuff, like they try to draft, and you've got assistant coaches as head coaches, and you you know do a lot of fun things and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's a practice, right? I mean, it's a practice, and you've seen – a lot of what these guys can do in the 14 practices prior to the spring game. <laughs> now, the only thing that I would personally be looking for in the spring game is who is a gamer. Like now you're out in the stadium, you got the game helmets on, you know, you got the game jerseys on. Who's a gamer? You know, that that would be something that I would be looking at. But other than that, you're going to throw the film in, you're going to treat it very similarly as you do practice you know, spring practice. Now you've participated in spring ball before as a player. Am I, am I on the right track or, is, or do they treat the spring game a little bit differently? Yeah. I would say that the biggest thing that the spring game is, is one, a test of your knowledge for a lot of the younger players, you know, because spring is, is a good time for the install of the offense and the defense for a lot of, you know, the basics for a lot of the younger players. Um, and so the, the spring game is partially kind of 
what I would say a final exam to get an understanding of where the depth chart is at that point in time. But really, it's just a big – it's it's like it's just a big co competition period, right? The, the coaches just want to see how you're competing uh, in live time and open space, you know, against each other. Sure. And so that's – again, those are the – I think those are the main things that come out of the spring game is understanding where everyone is on the depth chart. And then, it, again, it just being a big kind of open competition and seeing how different guys perform, you know, in – in some kind of higher stake moments, I guess. Okay. All right. There you go. We got one last question. And I guess it's for me. Vince, how is recruiting for your son going? <laughs> well, uh, it, I mean, it, as well as it could be at the moment, obviously he's a junior. He's in the 25 class. Uh, unless you are the absolute elite of the elite, you know, it's slow going for kickers uh, at this time of year. And so we, he is uh, communicating with a bunch of coaches, a uh, couple, you know, a lot of uh, Mac level coaches. There's one, one, another D one, uh, you know, team that, that kind of reached out a little bit. Uh, don't think that one's a possibility uh, because it involves, involves a military commitment, um, but we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, things are going well. Things are going well. We're lining up all the camps in June and all that fun stuff. And so it's going to be a fun June kind of going from camp to camp. And Because these guys – I mean, that's the biggest thing with kickers is these coaches want to get their eyes on them. Uh, you know, you can look at stats and you can do all these different things. And obviously his rankings are going very well. He's the number 36 punter in the nation for his class. And he is the number two punter in, in Indiana. Uh, and he's the number five kicker in Indiana right now. So for his class, so things are going well. It's just a matter of now he's got to get in front of these coaches. And so we're going to be traversing the Midwest in June. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It kind of be our last hurrah. I think his father and son before he goes off and does his own thing, you know, so it should be a lot of fun. And he's sitting here listening to me talk about him, which is awkward. <laughs> it is what it is. So anyway. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.